Yes. I make money for my platforms. Cool, but. All right. Welcome to Owning the Masters, a podcast where we discuss business, entrepreneurship, and lifestyle for the culture. I'm your host, Be the Boss. What up, y'all? I have a special guest today. All my guests are special and lit, but this one I came with questions. I got questions today. <laughs> so I have, when we call you by your full name? You can. That's fine. It's Raymond Akil, right? A shield. A shield. Yes. So I was yeah. almost right. It's close. Raymond it's close. Ashiel, a.k.a. Recovery Ray. You can find him on Instagram. Instagram at recovery.ray. Recovery. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. He is a podcast host in Indianapolis, host of Balance Period, mm-hmm. where he discusses racial health equity and generational wellness. So yes. that is like a huge, like topic for me that I'm like super passionate about that's why I got questions which I'm excited to dive (laughs) deeper into all of the questions that you have for me today yes so first thing I want to ask you um how did you even get involved in even wanting to turn this into a platform and career Mm -hmm. this cause yeah so I would say it kind of started with my educational background so I went to school I got a degree in kinesiology And so I originally wanted to be a physical therapist, Mm -hmm. but I was kind of burnt out on school. So I was like, let me just leave here after four years and do what I can Mm -hmm. out in the world with this degree. So I started a personal training career. And that was my, you know, my attempt to help others improve their quality of life through, in this case, fitness. Mm -hmm. But after experiencing my own personal health trauma, I realized that it was a lot more to our overall quality of life than just our physical health. And I started to learn more about our emotional well-being, mental health, and the various different habits that can be practiced in order to keep those domains of our wellness optimized. So mm-hmm. that's what led me to start my podcast back in 2018. I just wanted to share with everyone the journey that I was on, the you know increased quality of life that I got to experience from the mindset that I adopted and the habits that I practiced. And that has now turned into this self-care company that I run that is centered around wellness and health equity. So... Yeah, started with my, you know, my interest in helping others and as it relates to their health and then through my own personal, you know, trauma that has now turned into better health health outcomes for me and the people that I get to serve. So I love that. Yeah. Okay, so y'all heard what he said. He took something he was passionate about and his focus wasn't necessarily to make money. His mo- his focus was to help others first. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's first starting with that. I think that's important. I don't want to let that go, like, unnoticed. Because a lot of times we like, okay, I need to make money. I'm going to do this because it fits. But you got to follow what you're passionate about first. Mm -hmm. And then everything else will follow. Your platform will follow. The people that you need to serve, they will all come as you do, as you operate within your purpose and passion. Most definitely. First. Yeah. Yeah. So don't let that, don't miss that, child. That's a huge thing. Like, I stand on that. Mm -hmm. I stand on that. So um, what did your journey look like at first? Like, when you you said you experienced some health traumas. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, what did that look like for you, like, starting your own journey? Yeah. So it was 2017. I had just recently got hired on as a full-time personal trainer in corporate fitness. And I was only 23. Like, I really thought I had, like, figured out. 
I was oh, like, you know, way. yeah, I, I thought I thought I knew everything. <laughs> I thought I was invincible. Um, and it was about two weeks into the new year that I started to experience some excruciating pain. And that pain ended up being a blood clot in my lung. And so that completely shifted my mindset because I realized like I was like close to death. So Literally. being face to face with my mortality just required me to start thinking about how I care for myself differently. There were things like, you know, my diet and exercise. Mm -hmm. Those are really the only two things, even, you know, with the kinesiology background. Yeah. That was all that was really talked about. We didn't learn about mental health, emotional well-being, none of those things. Mm -hmm. So after that experience, I realized. I needed to just learn more. I needed to be more curious and I needed to adopt some habits that were in alignment with me, you know, feeling good and functioning at my best in those domains of my health. So my journey started out with me recognizing that there was more and just mm -hmm. getting curious, you know, educating myself, really Googling it. Like, what can I do to support my mental health? That's how I came across meditation. That was something that I saw time and time again. And it was a little difficult at first because I grew up in the church. Both of my parents were elders in the church. Ooh, yes. Anything outside of just giving it to God was like, okay, this is demonic. You don't do what yoga. Does that you don't even do mean? exactly. And so it was a lot of like push and pull in mm -hmm. you know the early stages of me beginning to even consider practicing meditation. But I tried it and I experienced significant benefit and i was mm -hmm. just like this is something that i'm going to keep doing so yeah. i made a commitment to do 10 minutes a day for a year and that just completely changed everything for me so that was kind of the initial okay. phases of the journey and then honestly from there just built upon itself because the more mindful you become the more aware you are of what's happening and i believe we can only take care of what we are aware of so oh, the I more that. that i became aware of the better i was able to care for myself and that just compounds as time progresses. I love that. I'm kind of learning that now. I'm actually reading a really, really good book right now called, and I've been talking about this book on my Facebook platforms all week, so this conversation is really right on time. But the book is called The Garden Within mm. by Dr. Anita Phillips. So Dr. Anita Phillips, she travels a lot. She's a um, clinical psychologist. She okay. travels with Sarah Jakes and does all of her tours. But the book, The Garden Within, talks about how closely our bodies are related to creation. Mm. So, I mean, even like we're learning more, even if you are, because like you said, we were taught in the church, you know, this is bad, you know, meditation's bad, don't do yoga, it's all demonic, you shouldn't be doing that. And in her research, she's learning like our bodies mimic creation so closely um, that, you know, when we do these things and become mindful, it starts like your health starts with your heart mm. first and it's not just your physical heart it's your emotional heart so with that being mindful has a direct correlation into our physical health yep. so like that's and it's scientifically proven but if you're a christian it's also biblically proven mm -hmm. because it's literally how we're wired but we're conditioned to think body mind heart take care of your body first Take care of your mental health, then take care of your heart and emotions. But it's really flipped the other way around and your body is last. So if your emotional health is not good, your mental health is not going to be good, your body's not going to be healthy, especially yeah. as black people, because we carry trauma in our bodies. Yeah. Um, generations and generations and generations ago. Yeah. Let's talk about that because people don't yeah. believe me. I be telling people like we literally carry trauma in our DNA. It's not spooky it's not theoretical it is literally scientific and mm -hmm. you have to think about how we're wired as humans we carry our ancestors dna that's why african-american dna 
and African from Africa people DNA is two totally different strains of DNA because we have a different type of generational trauma mm-hmm. that we carry and it changes your genetic structure. So everything you do is not necessarily like habit based right? or taught. It's genetic. <laughs> so. Yeah, I would say for anyone listening, a couple concepts that you can just like look up and do some research on transgenerational trauma. That's it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then epigenetics is another yeah. kind of thing that you can start to learn more about how like how our you know, past and how our ancestors have impacted who we are today in ways that we might not have even realized is happening. Like, it's just the case. And so that's why I think self-awareness is so important. Um, That's why I think, you know, something that I did after the the blood clot was I had to do a family health history. So really knowing your family health history, starting with your parents, you know, grandparents, siblings, understanding that is so important because everyone's a little bit different. So even though our trauma may look similar because of, you know, our ethnicity here, there's going to be some nuances in that as well. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be up to us individually to know what it is that we need based on where we've been in our family, in our family history. So that's why I think it's, it's important to know that, you know, trauma yeah. is a thing, but then also know that it takes us to take accountability for how we choose to care for ourselves based on that trauma. Absolutely. Which is where the mindfulness comes in and we're learning like the book, Dr. Anita Phillips, I'm referring back to this again, but she was like, people think breath work is weird. She said it's breathing their lungs Mm -hmm. like it literally fuels our body and learning how to control your breath and like being mindful. So explain meditation. So like I said, a lot of people are not familiar with like what meditation actually is. Yeah, there are several definitions out there. The one that I use is it's the practice of paying attention to the present moment with intention, curiosity, and compassion. I love that. that that's really it. It's really simple. Mm-hmm. You're just being and you're just noticing what's happening. You you become the observer of your experience instead of, you know, something in the experience. You kind of kind of do like a bird's eye view. You kind of pull yourself out of it and you just observe what's happening. And man, I think I had never done that prior to doing a mindfulness practice. Mm -hmm. So it was like really eye opening to realize that like I am not my thoughts and that I don't have to believe everything I think. I was just so intertwined with what was happening in my mind that it took me having someone, you know, through a guided meditation, tell me to just think a little differently about my thoughts Mm -hmm. to really show me, oh, I can change my relationship with these thoughts that I have the behaviors that I have because of these thoughts, right? And mm-hmm. it just really showed me the the more control that I could have over my experience um, than prior to me actually doing a mindfulness practice. So long story short, mindfulness is really just pausing and, and fully engaging with the present moment by just being where you are and just observing what's happening around you and in you. That goes back to kind of what I was saying before, like we flip around the body, mind, heart, being mindful, mindfulness allows you to be more proactive. Whereas when it's the other way around, you're more reactive because like you say, you're living within your experience. But if you understand by being mindful how you operate by practicing that, because then you constantly, okay, I'm feeling this, what happened to Mm -hmm. me. So when I experience this thing again, okay, I know 
when I am around this person or in this situation, my body starts to feel a certain way. Yep. So it allows you to kind of be proactive when you encounter things. Would you say that that yeah, is true? Yeah, most definitely. As I was mentioning before, right, it, my level of self-awareness expanded from me practicing mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that we all heard at growing up in the church, you know, the Holy Spirit, right, your intuition, we've really been conditioned to not be in tune with that because we're so intertwined with what's happening in our minds. So when we can slow down, we can truly discern things in ourselves. We can discern things about the people that we surround ourselves with, mm -hmm. the different, you know, situations that we may take be taking ourselves into. But it, it won't happen if we don't slow down and if we don't, like, pay closer attention to what's happening. So, yeah, I would say... By far, mindfulness is going to contribute significantly to us being more proactive instead of reactive. And I would say more responsive instead of reactive to what we experience, I like because I believe responsiveness is, you know, intention based. But reactiveness is really just like prior conditioning that's leading us to take actions based on what we experience. So and it's like usually more make bad decisions when we're yeah. in that because it's very carnal. Mm -hmm. place to be so you're gonna go based on what you feel and a lot of times what do we do we succumb to like comfort measures mm -hmm. whatever that may be and nine times out of ten let's be for real our comfort measures are usually bad habits yeah <laughs> for sure most of the time I don't some people have I don't really know too many people that have good habits like when they are feeling anxious yeah, I would say not naturally, not naturally because no. we weren't taught this at home. We weren't taught this at school. We weren't taught this at church. This wasn't modeled for us in any way. So it's like we have to create this for ourselves in order for us to experience the benefit of things like mindfulness or these other habits that we can dive deeper into to help us yeah. be, you know, healthier mentally and emotionally. It just wasn't taught to us. So it's I mean, you might be hearing this and thinking, well, no, nah, I don't. It's not really healthy for me. And that's fine because you haven't taken the time right. to cultivate it. It just takes a little time and intention, but trust me, it can happen. If it can happen for me, it can happen for anyone. Definitely so. practice because yes. ooh, I'm like learning. I'm kind of new to like meditation and yoga and doing things like that. I've kind of dove into it off and on throughout my life, but really mm -hmm. like being consistent with it. I'm really just now getting to that point because I'm realizing how necessary it is. Mm. Um, just really trying to navigate. I'm getting older. I'm 37. Okay. So after you turn 30, things don't really work the same way. I get up now and I snap, crackle, pop a little bit sometimes when I get up. I'm like, is there Rice Krispies in my elbow? Oh, I didn't sheesh. have pains in my shoulders like a year ago. What is this? I wake up I'm like my neck's stiff today. Like I, So things just don't quite work the same. And I'm like, I, I want to be young forever. I oh, just turned thirty this year, so I'm I'm entering that you know that new chapter, that next season, and I'm hoping that the habits I adopted in my twenties carry over yes. to me being able to be more aware, for me to be able to continue to care for myself in a way that does help me feel you know uh, more vitality as yeah. I age, because I feel like we can do that. We just haven't had examples yep. of what that looks like, especially in our community. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping that I can kind of become that you know that example that people can say, oh, mm -hmm. this is an option too. Uh, yes. based on your mindset and habits instead of just all of what we've seen up until this point as it relates to yeah. aging. No, for real. And yeah. I was talking to my dad yesterday just about um, kind of what we were talking about, like generational trauma, but also mm -hmm. with some of the 
um, diseases that we typically see within our community, I was saying like some of the things that we experience, the high blood pressure, the high cholesterol, um, yes, some of those are attributed to genetics. Mm-hmm. You're genetically predis- predisposed. But a lot of it is generational habits. Facts. So it's the things that we traditionally eat in our diets. Mm-hmm. Um, food deserts contribute to yeah. a lot of that. A lot of us live in areas where there are no healthy fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. A lot of us were not given fruits and vegetables as children because exactly. we don't. Like red Kool-Aid, red dye number 40, like the worst thing you can have. A lot of the things that are considered like staples as far as our diet goes in black culture are processed, Mm -hmm. highly sugared, a lot of fat. Like they're not good. So we have generational habits which predispose us to certain things, not necessarily genetics. Exactly. So like I think that that kind of goes into what, you do like generational wellness. Exactly. So how do you pass those messages down to the next generation? Most definitely. And so, yeah, as you know, as you were mentioning these habits, that's what I see generational wellness is. It's, mm-hmm. you know, healthy habits that are passed down and or exchanged between one generation and another. Mm-hmm. The beauty of this too is that, you know, this can happen vertically. So it doesn't just have to be because I'm older, that. I can pass something down. As long as you're teachable, I can pass something up to you as well. So it's mm-hmm. something that can, you know, happen in both directions, which I think is pretty cool. Intergenerational. Exactly. Well, exactly. <laughs> yes. And so the process, though, that you go through in order to create it, I try to make it as simple as possible. So I developed a framework for it. There's three A's. So it's awareness, accountability, and appreciation. Awareness is you expanding your level of self-awareness. You're assessing your current quality of life. You can do that in various different ways. Um, we can go through, let's let's just go kind of through a brief list just so that you all have some tools. You know, to expand your awareness of what's happening in your mind and body. So whether, you know, you're journaling or you are doing some diagnostic testing like blood work, something to really understand what's happening in your body. And then journaling, you know, for your mind, really just learning your thoughts and thinking. That helps a lot. I'm expanding your awareness of how you're spending your time and energy. We all get Mm. 24 hours. So if you just do an audit of that, you'll start to see where you're spending time that might not be in alignment with your health and well-being. And then as time progresses, you can, you know, make some adjustments to how you're spending your time. Um, You know, what you're consuming and and not just what you eat and drink, even though that's important, but your mental diet as Mm -hmm. well. So what you watch, what you read, what you listen to, what are these things and, you know, what are you investing in as it relates to what you consume and then how you respond to what you experience. So are you kind and compassionate or are you critical um, with yourself, with other people? Right. So really understanding what that looks like. Um, and and just doing an audit. So that's the Mm -hmm. first step. That's awareness. And I think every one of us needs to do that because we're all unique. So Mm -hmm. it's important for us to know that. Uh, Then it's accountability. So accountability is really focused on modeling. So it's what now habits are you integrating into your lifestyle that you are going to model for the people that are in your sphere of influence, right? For your family, for your friends, for your community. Now, what are you going to do? That's when you take what you learn from the awareness piece and now you're putting in things that are in alignment with you experiencing an increased quality of life. Whether that's, that's the get, action. Exactly. You're getting better quality sleep because you developed an evening routine. You know, you're checking in with yourself throughout the day to know, you know, what you need. You're, you know, practicing things like mindfulness or exercising, 
eating high quality foods, these things that are in alignment with your health, you're not modeling these behaviors. Mm -hmm. Now, when the transfer takes place, it comes in appreciation. The word appreciate mm -hmm. means to recognize the full worth of something. In this case, you're recognizing the full worth of your health journey mm -hmm. by now sharing your story. Mm -hmm. Stories are what, you know, for generations after generations has been how we pass down things. Yes. Whether they've been good or bad, it's been through storytelling. And I think one of the things that we haven't done in our community enough is having stories around yes. our health and well-being. We don't talk about mental health. We don't really talk about anything health related. Mm -hmm. So for us to begin to learn how to tell our stories and to create space in our families to be able to share our stories, mm -hmm. that's going to be how we then transfer the lifestyles that we live to generation and, you know, all the generations to come. So that's the yeah. process, awareness, accountability, appreciation. I, love that. I would say what really bridges it together, though, is that storytelling piece. Yes. Yeah. And I think the storytelling creates the racial health equity mm -hmm. because a lot of us don't like going to the doctor or have had experiences in healthcare that were less than favorable. Mm -hmm. I know I have as a woman. Um, you know, black women die at high numbers during childbirth in our country, yep. which, you know, storytelling and then representation as well is important. Mm -hmm. um, that way, you know, you have somebody advocating for you. And if you have one person telling a story, then you have 500 people telling the same story. At some point, you start to see a pattern. And at some point, the powers that be have to see a pattern. So that's why it's important for us to really speak up to. Yep. And create that equity. Yeah. One thing that I want to highlight, too, is that I think it's important for us to acknowledge the fact that our healthcare system wasn't designed for us to thrive. At all. Really anyone, but especially black and brown folks in mm -hmm. this country. So I think if we can acknowledge that and stop waiting for the healthcare system to change, yes. but change our approach to how we interact with the healthcare system. Yes. That in and of itself will help us have better health outcomes over time just mm -hmm. because we're relating to it differently. Yeah. We're not waiting on a doctor to come tell us what we need to do, yes. to come prescribe us something. When we go through the process I mentioned before by expanding our awareness, mm -hmm. taking accountability for our actions and things like that, we're going to naturally become healthier individuals. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that in and of itself, I believe, will close the racial health gap as time Absolutely. progresses. So I think, yeah, just remembering that the system isn't here for us it's, to thrive. It's not, no. which is why the representation piece is important as well, mm -hmm. because we need our health care is different. It I is. mean, as much as they try to put us all in a bucket and say, when we take the skin off, it's the same. But genetically, again, we are not the same. Exactly. So our needs are going to be totally different than somebody that doesn't look like us. As much as we don't want to bring race into things, it's important when it comes to our health care. I agree. So, you know, the representation piece, if you do have to use the health care system, mm -hmm. we need an advocate, somebody there that understands it, that's on the inside, yep. that's going to be able to advocate for me. So when I was working in healthcare, I worked as a medical assistant, Okay. various different uh, like what do you call specialties? I worked mm -hmm. in primary care. I worked in podiatry. I worked in cardiology. I worked in endocrinology. I worked in uh, urology. Um, I worked um, for a prostate doctor. So all my patients were men. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like I've worked in different areas, but one thing that always held true, like my patients love me because like I would go in the room and say, if you have a question, ask the question. Yep. If you're not comfortable with asking the doctor, ask me and I'll go ask him because he don't scare me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you don't agree with something, it's okay to go get a second opinion. Yep. This is not the final opinion. I know he has the degree, but this is your body. You mm -hmm. know your body better than anybody does. Yep. So 
If you don't feel right about it, go get another opinion. You won't hurt our feelings. It's okay. And just give empowering people and letting them know that, okay, I have autonomy in my health care. I saw like a lot of, especially people, usually it was people that look like us mm-hmm. because other people know that they have that autonomy. Right, right. Um, it completely, they're like, oh, I, I can tell him that. I can, I can ask for what I want. Like my grandmother, even she's going undergoing cancer treatments right now. And I had to tell her, like, if you don't agree with what the doctor is doing, you don't have to do it. If you don't want to undergo chemo again, tell them, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> you are allowed to change your mind, too. If at any point you don't want to do this, don't. Yeah, if there's important. anything you feel like you need, make sure you speak up and don't let anybody bully you. Yeah. I was having a conversation with my mom about that. I have a, uh, an older sister who's going through you know, various different health traumas over these last few months, mm-hmm. and her experience has been absolutely horrid. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I, in thinking about solutions, that's naturally where my mind goes. I was like, it would be so powerful to have culturally competent advocates at each you know, location yes. where we're interacting with this system mm-hmm. so that we know, and it's not someone that is employed by the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's someone that's coming like in. A third party. E- exactly. And I'm like, how many better outcomes will we have? How mm-hmm. many, how much less death will we experience, right? Mm-hmm. If we just had someone there just to advocate for us. Surprisingly, though, working in the hospital, they do exist. That's awesome. Not within our community, though. Mm. And it doesn't look like what you would think it would look like. So a lot of times if you get um, a Spanish speaking person or an Asian or Asian person, they will have somebody that is familiar with our healthcare system come and translate for them. Mm. So they they bring family members with them that advocate and understand the system. We just don't do it in our community because I don't mm. think we know we can do that. Said it looks different for, for it looks it doesn't look like that, but that's ultimately what it is. Yeah, wow. You have somebody that just understands. Okay, I've lived in this system. I know how to get these resources. I know what to say. I know, and and that's what they do for them. Mm-hmm. But like I said, because we are American, and because we live in the community and the circumstances that we've lived in, I don't think we always understand how much power we have. And I think that's intentional uh, by definitely. whoever the powers that be is. It was intentional oh, to definitely. lead us to believe that we have less power than what we do. Make more money so, that way. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> that's a whole tangent that's right whole there. Another, whole another podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, whole, that's a whole thing. But definitely, like, I think that that... Like you said, having somebody culturally competent, which is one reason why I worked in healthcare as long as I did. Because I'm gonna be honest with you, I hated it. Mm-hmm. I had bills to pay. But I loved being able to advocate for my patients. But I left when I felt like the system was no longer allowing me to do that. Mm. And I'm like, okay, there's nothing I could do. Um, so why am I here? <laughs> like I realized, okay, yeah. this system is not created for for us at all um i attempted to create a program to help people that look like me with a disease that primarily affected us and i worked for a a primarily um majority ran organization and they shot it down Mm -hmm. meanwhile millions and millions and millions of dollars a year would go to another disease that primarily affected people that did not look like us 
but there were no resources to assist a different subset of patients with anything. Mm. And I think that it's really important to like have to understand, like you said, it's not creative for us. Yeah. And having people that will definitely advocate for that. Let's start at the end. Right. Contracting. I would advocate for people. Definitely. Yeah. I do it anyway. I go mm-hmm. with my grandparents. Do you go with your sister? My, my so my sister lives in Texas. So gotcha. She's not here. Um, and you know she she has a juris doctorate, so she's she's aware. She, oh, she's so she knows. Oh yeah, no, she she's aware. Yeah. Um, she's definitely doing her due diligence to make sure she's documenting all of this. Yeah. So that she has you know the information she needs to take it to who she needs to take it to once mm-hmm. her her journey with them is done. So yeah. But yeah. navigating navigating our healthcare system is not for the weak. No, 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 no. It's gonna take time. Uh, probably some resources, probably some money, uh, because they got they got some bread that they can throw at things to you know to move them out of the way. So oh, we'll, definitely, we'll, we'll definitely you know I'm I'm excited for her though, and I'm going yeah. to be of course in her corner, yeah, uh, making sure that I'm supporting in any way that I can to make sure that that she you know experiences some some justice for just I mean it's been and horrible. She's in Texas too. Yeah, she's in Texas. I'm sorry. Yeah. So. <laughs> She's doing she's doing well now. You know, she has yeah. a couple, I think one more surgery planned, so she'll get that done. And I think hopefully that'll be the last thing that'll kinda allow her now to start to heal and recover and then we'll kinda deal with what has been happening what has these happened. last few months. Yeah. Yeah. But the good thing about it is is that she has the education she has and the know how to speak up for yeah. herself. That's important. Mm-hmm. Having yep. an advocate yep. is huge. Yes. Definitely. We had an issue with her some years ago. I had to go in on some doctors at a local hospital. Because you don't play by my baby, okay? I don't play by my baby. I was about to turn that hospital inside out, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. So, I'm referring back to my questions. Let's see. Oh, let's talk about building habits. Mm -hmm. Building good habits. So... We went to Invest Fest. Shout out to my favorite podcast, Earn Your Leisure. Let's partner. Y'all could partner with us. I don't see why not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I went to Invest Fest and we got to listen to Robert F. Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, in case y'all don't know who Robert F. Smith is, he is the richest black man in America. He's a multi-billionaire. Um, but he said that the greatest... Um, the greatest key to his success was building habits, building skills and building habits. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about like, that's how you started your journey was building good habits. Like, how do you, how did you navigate that process of building good habits going from like, eh, I need to do this to, okay, I need to, I need to do this. Yeah. I think, you know, some of the, the key things that I recommend to start, like really starting small so not overwhelming yourself with all of the things you feel like you need to do um we're trying to do something for it a long time like for me in in mindfulness right i found something that was valuable and i was like oh if i do more of this then i'll probably get more benefit so that helped because i was already motivated i already got a taste of it i tried it it felt nice i'm like i I need to do more of this i wasn't sure how it was going to impact me but i was like let's keep it rolling but i was like let me commit to 10 minutes a day that's it. And do that for a year. That's a long time. Exactly. So start start small <laughs> and be consistent. 
if you start small and be consistent, you'll be building discipline each time you do whatever thing that you're doing on a consistent basis. That's really all you need. If you're building the habit, you just have to do it consistently and you have to stay disciplined enough to stay consistent. You kind of need both in order to mm-hmm. see it manifest, but that's really, it's really simple. Now, there are other things as it relates to, you know, developing these neural pathways in your brain uh, to be able to really ingrain this new, you know, feeling, this new habit into your lifestyle. So things like getting good sleep, um, things like non-sleep deep rest protocols to where you're able to experience deep rest during the day to help consolidate some of that information that you're learning. Um, That's also helpful. So there's other little nuances. How do you do that? Yeah. It depends on how much time you have, and if you can take a nap or not. If you can take a nap, take a nap. That, that'll be a fantastic way to, you know, literally experience that deep rest during the day. If you can't, it could be something like a yoga nidra, which is a form of yoga that is just essentially progressive relaxation. Um, so you kind of just go from your head to your toes, and you just intentionally relax all your muscles, and you just, like, be. That puts you in a state of deep rest. There's also called non-sleep deep rest protocols that you can do. These can be from 5, 10, 20 minutes to where you're not asleep, but you're creating the conditions to experience deep rest. That mm-hmm. is important for you know memory consolidation and honestly just our mental health in general. That's how you lock um, them in. Yeah, that, that contributes to you locking in what it is that, that you're doing. So mm-hmm. that helps. I didn't know any of that when I got started. So that's why what I started with was do something in the small increment do it consistently over time. That's what worked for me. Mm-hmm. As I have continued to evolve and learn and grow, I learned about neuroplasticity and all these other things and realized that there was ways to enhance that experience. Mm-hmm. But it's really as simple as just doing something consistently. That's a struggle. It can be. It's a struggle. But that's why you got to set the bar low. And I like determine <laughs> and the bar low. And no, determine, life, determine what's going to work best for you to keep yourself accountable. Oh, I like that. Because it could be another person. You have an accountability mm-hmm. partner. Um, there's apps out there or websites where you can literally stake money. You can say, if I don't do this, I have to pay this amount of money to, yeah. you know, you can do it to a cause that you don't really care for, something like that, right? So find what is motivating you or something that will keep you accountable. And that's what you need to employ or implement into your daily life so that you can stay consistent with whatever that that's small one of them thing three is. A's. I see, I see yeah. where you're going. Yeah. That's huge. Like accountability is everything because I, I know a lot of us, I know I struggle. I can be accountable to other people, Mm. but when it comes to being accountable to myself, that's a different beast of things to have to do. And yeah, I mean, like I said, it's not necessarily easy, Mm -hmm. but it can be done. Yeah, it can be done. And I think it's important to be able to give yourself grace to remember that you don't have to be perfect to be great. Those are some of the things I remind myself on a consistent basis because you're not necessarily going to always be consistent or always mm-hmm. say disciplined. But for a lot of us, when we make it to that point to where we might slip up, we just kind of uh, say in the church backslide. You kind of okay. just go all the way you back. You go back to the bad all, habits. All like, the way back. I already ate one Cheeto. I might as well go give me a double cheeseburger at exactly, this point. <laughs> exactly. So I think, you know, understanding that grace is needed. Yeah. Um, and another thing, and I learned this from, you know, being a personal trainer. When you exercise and let's say you want to change your body composition, you want to maybe, you know, have a flatter stomach or for guys build your biceps or chest or something like that. You can work out for, let's say, a, a month 
and you might not see any physical changes, but you'll experience some strength gains, but you won't see any mm. physical changes. And I think for us, we are in a, like a microwave society where we want Man. our results now. Mm -hmm. And I think before you start this journey, to understand and accept the fact that it's going to take time and you might not see the results that you will get early on, that's okay. You just have to keep going. Another uh, analogy I use is like planting a seed. Mm -hmm. You plant a seed, nothing has broke ground yet, but there are roots that are forming. Uh -huh. That's what you taking consistent action, cultivating discipline, that's what you're doing. You're really just getting the roots deep so that when you do sprout up, you're able to withstand anything that happens yeah. exactly because you have built that foundation. So I think accepting the fact that you might not see some of the tangible results from the efforts that you put in, uh, it's just a part of the journey. Um, but if you're able to remember why you're doing it and stay consistent, mm -hmm. it's only a matter of time before you do start to see uh, the manifestation of what it is that you're looking for. I think that kind of goes back to like I was saying before, kind of with a heart, mind, body analogy so like if you cultivate that mindfulness that mm -hmm. self-awareness it leads to self-love which leads to self-care then it makes it easier to be accountable and build the habits that's yeah. kind of what I, I think I hear you saying and it's funny because <laughs> in addition to generational wellness and that model we developed a an emotional literacy program called the oh, balance okay. blueprint uh -huh. And each letter of the word balance stands for competency and there's a focus. The first three are belief, which is we focus on self-efficacy, mm -hmm. um, awareness, and we focus on self-acceptance. And then love, we focus on self-compassion and love. I love that. The fourth step is then self-care. Because we realize after you cultivate that, you know, the inner work, mm -hmm. the mindset around why it's important to care for yourself mm -hmm. and understand that you demonstrate the love that you have for yourself by practicing self-care. Now you're ready mm -hmm. to start embracing some of these new behaviors. Mm -hmm. But what comes right after self-care is no and is boundaries. What boundaries are you Ooh. setting in order to honor these self-care yeah. activities that you have identified mm -hmm. are important for you? And then after no, what's, what's next? Consistency. You have to do it yes. over and over again. You have to be consistent and stay disciplined. And then finally, we talk about the E is enjoy and it is for gratitude. So how are you integrating gratitude into your journey? Because even though you might not get those results that you ultimately want, mm -hmm. you can be grateful for where you are right now. And gratitude makes what we have enough. Ooh, so when you're yeah. integrating gratitude into your daily life, regardless of where you are along that journey, you're still able to enjoy yourself. Yeah. You're still able to experience the vitality that comes with you investing in your health and wellness. So I battle depression out through gratitude. Mm, interesting. So some years, years ago, um, I went through like a major like depressive whole era. It was maybe like five years. Wow. I suffer with major depression. And I was this was like right at the start of like YouTube and I don't think podcasts were a thing yet. It was probably maybe like, tw well, maybe it was like 2013 ish, mm. 2012, 2013. And I heard somebody say, where gratitude lives, depression dies. Mm. And I was like, hmm. So I really got to, like, studying that. And it's, it's really true. If you're grateful, you can't be depressed. Right. Like, if I'm grateful, if I'm, if I'm depressed and I wake up today, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be thankful for something. It gives me something to look forward to. 
because I I think I heard somebody say like depression is when we lament the past mm-hmm. and anxiety is fear of the future. So if I'm present, which gratefulness requires you to be present because yep. you have to evaluate what you have going on in your life now to find something to be grateful for. You don't have time to think about the past. Exactly. And you don't really have time to be worried about the future either because you're present. Yep. And I think like that's that's a huge mental health thing. Like you said, we live in a microwave society and we and then we were talking about earlier with my daughter, like the society we live in requires feedback. Mm-hmm. Constant feedback, constant validation, constant um satisfaction like we look for everything so fast and we look for everything outside of ourselves yep. as opposed to going within which is really necessary to navigate the society we live in like i don't know anybody if we all live like that all the time like we would be like zombies yeah. we would be all crazy and i think we're kind of learning that in our generation now mm-hmm. with our quality of life and like we have the luxury in our generation of actually living as opposed to surviving. Yes. And I think that's the difference between us and our parents and the generations ahead. I feel like um, millennials and early Gen Zers, we are the first generation that actually gets to experience life mm-hmm. since before we got on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for that. Like everything, all the trauma we've experienced and now our generation, we're learning about healing, mm-hmm. mental health, um, just overall holistic wellness. We have the luxury of learning those things because our parents and grandparents didn't. They was just trying to make it through the day. I got to yeah. feed these kids. I got to survive the white man at this job and I'm going to go home and I'm going to at least try to have a little something <laughs> and that's it. That was mm-hmm. that's how they lived their life. But now we're like, okay, hold on. It's a whole world out here that we have access to because they didn't know that there was a whole world. Yeah. So I'm like, I think that that's huge. Um, with like our generation now, really learning about how to navigate this new world that we've been a part of. I don't know since the internet age. And definitely since COVID. So mm-hmm. you started your business before COVID. Yes. But so how not, did it affect you? Yeah. So how my business looks today isn't what it looked like before COVID. Mm-hmm. So before COVID, I mean, I had quit my personal training job and started the business as a personal training business. I was going into people's homes, taking them through exercises. I wanted to like be like a concierge personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't really go that great. Honestly, I, I wasn't the you know, the greatest entrepreneur. I really wasn't teachable. So I wasn't accepting of new information and trying new things. Um, And, you know, that led me to kind of need additional sources of income in order to, you know, make it in order to survive. And so I was kind of had my business on the back burner. And so I really wasn't investing as much time and energy into it. And so when the pandemic hit, everything was shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, I was laid off. So I was getting, you know, them checks that they yeah. were sending every week. And I'm like, this is kind of nice. One. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was like, two, I knew that where I was working wouldn't create mm-hmm. the conditions for me to get paid like that. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. Now is the time I to do rethink the business and see if mm-hmm. I can dive in and, and make something new happen. And so that's what I did. And that's what then led me to creating 
the balance blueprint and then embark on this journey of you know leveraging this content in order to help other people which mm -hmm. has now you know led to what i do today so yeah it's oh, shifted it. i think huge. for the better yeah definitely you had a captive mm -hmm. audience and it was like it was so neat timing is literally everything that's that's a testament to timing is everything mm -hmm. because i don't think if, if covid never happened your business wouldn't look the way it looks because mm -hmm. i feel like the need would be different yeah and i wouldn't have had the urgency the sense of urgency to do it yeah i think that that rocked me because i thought i mean i had a stable job at that time um and i was just like wait a minute like no i'm not getting any younger like yeah. now is the time for me to really see what I can do and build this business. I started mm -hmm. a business because I realized that I wasn't going to be able to have the upward mobility that I thought I was going to have in the corporate space. Mm -hmm. And I wanted something different for me and my family as it related to our financial life. Yeah. I just wanted something different. And I, I thought entrepreneurship would be able to give me that. And so I was like, it would be a disservice for me and my family if I didn't go didn't out here and try. Yeah, yeah, if I didn't invest my energy into seeing what can happen um, with Sometimes this information. you just got to throw it out there and see what sticks. Yeah. And that's just, that's just it. Like, that's true. Even with us starting this podcast. So I'm podcasting again now, but we started our podcast in 2021. Mm -hmm. Valentine's Day of 2021. And it was me and my sister. Um, Shout out to LJ, my baby. <laughs> but um, it was us. And that's kind of like how we started. Like throwing something out there and seeing if it sticks. Just because we have conversations like this, my sister mm -hmm. and I, she's my best friend, but she's my sister. But we have like deep, meaningful conversations all the time, literally. And we were like, you know what? We're this podcasting this. is a thing. We need to just go ahead and sit down somewhere. This is good. Like we'll be sitting there like, this is, this is a good conversation. We need to start recording these. Mm. And that's just kind of how it started. That's kind of how it started. And we were just like, let's just throw this out here and see what sticks. And we got some good traction, but we ended up having to come to an abrupt halt mm. just because life happens. We got kids. We're moms. My sister has small children. Gotcha. A lot of them. <laughs> so she has a lot on her plate. So and so do I. And we're like, mm, we just need to put this on the back burner for right now. Mm -hmm. And then the opportunity arose now. And I'm like, you know what? We should we should start the podcast back up again that's awesome so though she's not here like physically because she decided that you know being behind the camera she don't want to do it all the time mm -hmm. but she's definitely the creative director and she's like the other my other half behind the scenes that's awesome <laughs> but yeah but like literally that's how it started just us right after covid throwing something out just to see what sticks because mm -hmm. we got to try it we like we got kids it's not about us it's about having the conversations and the conversations that we have, our kids can use it. Like, 100%. Yeah. It's just like parenting, but 2.0. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what, honestly, that's what continued to motivate me to do my podcast. It's been over, I think the one that posted today was probably like my 230-something episode, right? Mm-hmm. I... In the beginning, I wasn't even thinking about making money or anything from it. Yeah. But when I realized the impact that what I was sharing was having on just random people that would listen, I mm -hmm. was just like, my great grandson can listen to this. Yes. You know, like this can be what transforms how my family for years to come mm -hmm. thinks about how they care for themselves and yeah. what they choose to do to invest in their wellness. 
that's what motivated me was realizing that this is probably like um, unless something crazy happens and we don't have internet anymore you know something crazy yeah. happens this is going to be here it's going to be here and people will be able to tap into this my family yeah. will be able to tap into this Forever for generations exactly right exactly so <laughs> that honestly that's something that motivated me to keep going and to keep producing and keep sharing stories it. because I think they're important. Very important. Yeah. That's why was um, that's why I'm looking forward to having Murdoch on. Oh yeah, we all about stories. That's why we podcast. Mm-hmm. Really, like literally, it's to tell the story. Stories are important. Everybody's story is important, even if you think it's an ugly story. Because I know I struggle with that um, for a long time, like just not wanting to share my mm-hmm. story. But I'm doing such a disservice to the people that I've been given stewardship over yep. by the most high in my life if I keep my story to myself. Because I know, like, growing up, we were taught, you know, what happens here stays here. Stay in a child's place. This grown folks' business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's what we were taught. And it's things that our parents experienced and our grandparents experienced that they didn't share with us. Mm. So we ended up having to create generational mistakes because we didn't have the luxury of learning from anybody because they like their pride meant more than sharing the story. Yeah. And the shame that came with it. I think that's something that's so common in our, you know, community. There's a lot of shame in these stories. And I think when we're able to become more emotionally literate, we can process emotions like shame and we can understand the impact that those stories can have in the midst of experiencing shame and understanding that mm-hmm. feeling will only be there for, you know, 30, 90 yeah. seconds max. It doesn't stay around that long. But instead of us shying away from these emotions, we're mm-hmm. able to lean into them so that we can still share the value yeah. that is our story. And I think the shame decreases when you hear more stories like yours. Most definitely. Because if, like we were talking about earlier, if I hear one story, Versus when I hear 500 of the same story. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a systemic thing. This isn't just a my house thing. Okay, so that happened to you too? Hold on, that happened to you? And you? And them? Okay, I'm not by myself. Mm-hmm. So then where it allows people to have the space to be more vulnerable. Yep. And that like ultimately, especially in our community, that's what we need. Because we can't make a change. And our voices don't matter if they're small. A collective voice means a lot more than two or three people trying to fight for a cause. It's like how no, they're not going to take us seriously. Right. But if we all are telling the same story, it matters. Mm-hmm. And that representation matters. And not just representation. Again, it's freedom. It is. It's freedom. I'm, I don't want to hold back and carry that. Then it becomes trauma in your body because you're carrying it in your body and then it becomes generational trauma and you passing it down to your kids all when you could have just let it out if you mm-hmm. had a proper outlet. Yeah, I heard, I was listening to some podcast and someone on there was talking about transgenerational trauma and they said that we can't heal what we don't feel. And I was like, that's, that's true, mm-hmm. right? For generation after generation, we've been mm-hmm. putting these things away. We've been dismissing them instead of feeling them because we've been afraid to feel them. Yep. I think it's our responsibility for those of us listening that are, you know, understanding of our ability to process these things mm-hmm. for our, I can process something today for my ancestors. In real life. In real life. And it's like, 
and you can free. Yes. I, I might free Harriet Tubman at this point. Who knows, right? I don't For know. For real, was, I can I free Nat Turner. Came from, but yeah. In real life, <laughs> like I didn't free them because I broke free from my emotional chains mm-hmm. and the systemic chains. Like I am freeing. I'm freeing Kunta Kinte. <laughs> Toby, yeah. no, it was cool no, for real. I'm a side. Like, what you mean? <laughs> we, we freedom. Oh, we, we are, we are doing that. We have the power to do that in yes. our generation, literally, mm-hmm. with social media and information being so open. We have access to literally everything. So why not use the platform? It's like a spider web. Like mm-hmm. we can all connect with each other rather than using it for conversations that are not productive. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of those mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of those like i i love to see like more positive productive conversations because productive conversation is not always a positive one no usually the most productive conversations are very much the opposite because they're the necessary conversations and those are the ones that hurt yeah they, <laughs> they're not very comfortable no but, uh they're fruitful Fruitful. Yeah, it's kind of like putting fertilizer on something that you want to grow. It don't smell very nice, Mm-mm. but it helps it grow a lot better mm-hmm. by putting the fertilizer on there. Yeah. So we got to get dirty. We got to yeah. get down and dirty and have these conversations in order to break the chain. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want my kids, I've been very intentional with my children. I don't want them to carry my burdens. And sometimes, like as a parent, for sure, you know, we get caught up in the day to day living. And then I'm snapping on my kid and I have a bad attitude or I'm teaching my kid to be anxious because anxiety, unfortunately, is generational for me. Mm-hmm. So I watched my grandmother, really my great grandmother, live with perfectionism mm-hmm. that she instilled in my grandmother, that she instilled in my mother, that she ultimately instilled in me. Yep. And I'm like, look. I can't live with this pressure. (laughs) It's a lot of pressure that I just don't want. And when I realized, like, I'm carrying this, I had to look at my family like, okay, this perfectionism is really anxiety. What are we anxious about? Mm -hmm. We're anxious about performing because as black women and black people especially, we feel like if we're not doing something, we're not valuable. Mm -hmm. But I had, I'm like, hold on. You said I'm black woman? Hold on, I'm... I'm valuable just because I am. Yep. I don't need to do anything or song and dance in order to be valuable. And I'm also raising three daughters. So I instill that in them. I don't have, I don't feel the need to be perfect. So I admit like, look, I'm not that mom that's going to color with you. I don't know how to bake. We won't ever be baking cookies. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm not, I, I know my capabilities as a parent, and that's that's what I'm going to operate in. Mm-hmm. And if I can't do it, look, I'm sorry, you don't have that mother. But your grandmother's good at that. So I'm going to send you over there. If that's what you need, you can get that from there. But I just refuse to put that pressure on myself. And I think it breaks the chains for my daughters from having to be everything for everybody all the time. Yeah. And I think, like, that's a part of generational wellness is in the habit, like, that's, that's where that self-awareness comes from. Mm-hmm. I had to be aware enough of myself to tell my daughters, like, look, I'm not going to be everything all the time today. I don't feel like going to your concert. So I'm going to drop you off in the two hours that you're there. I'll see you when it's over. But the next one, I'll be there. 
because of, but today I just don't have it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna show up when I can. It's it's three of them, so you know, just showing up where I can and not showing up when I don't want to, and being okay to voice that to everybody around me and setting the boundary. Yeah, I think we need to learn how to do that, like especially as Black people, because we're taught that if we're not doing, you're lazy. Yep. Meanwhile, we built this country on our back. So how do people that built the whole country, how are we lazy? Right. We don't even, laziness ain't even in us. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah, and I think uh, from what you were describing, uh, the connection between our productivity and our self-worth has been just so ingrained. Oh, my um, God. And that, that's why, you know, I say, and I mentioned earlier in the episode, I don't have to be perfect to be great. That's Dang. something that I remind myself, yeah. something that I say at the end of all of my podcast episodes and the end of any speech that I give. I remind everyone, like, you know, you're enough as you are mm-hmm. in this moment. Take a deep breath and realize that right now you have everything you need to experience peace and joy. You don't have to do anything else. Nope. Regardless of what you got done, regardless of what's left undone, you're enough. Yep. Right? And it's, it's just important for us to know that because yeah. it's true. It is. It's true. My six-year-old learned in her first grade class her teacher teaches them practice. Practice makes progress. Mm, I like that. Not practice makes perfect. Practice makes progress. Mm-hmm. And she says, Mommy, if I can't get it the first time, I'll just keep trying. And I have to keep telling her, like, you don't have to be good at everything. Mm-hmm. If you get a C, like I've always been like this with my girls. If you come home with a C and that's the best you could do, I'm good with the C because right. I know that you put the work in. Even as adults, we're not going to be good at everything. Right. And why would we want to be good at everything? When we have community, if we build community, there's no need to be good at everything. Because I know somebody that can do X, Y, Z. I mean, let's just talk the podcast. Like, I know I can't do what Chris does. Mm -hmm. That's why I have Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, though I have the equipment, I have the mics, I have the lights, I have the cameras, I bought all the stuff. And I look at all of it like I got thousands of dollars worth of equipment. I don't want to use none of this. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go ahead and let somebody else do it so I can operate in my strengths. If we learn how to outsource everything and delegate, we can operate within our strengths as opposed to trying to create that feeling of perfection that right. we have to do everything and gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when we outsource, we make sure that it's to people that look like us. That then helps Let's with the generational that. wealth side too. Boom. Yeah. Keep it in the community. Yes, we have so much money that circulates in our community, and we just give it right back to the people that we complain about. Hold on, it's it's reckless, crazy. It happens every day, and so mm-hmm. I think when we when we start to understand that, I think when Murdoch's mm-hmm. here, um, you all have a fruitful conversation about this. But I heard him say. Like if we treat us like we we're all that we have, like like the the new uh, grocery store that opened, right, Indie yes. Fresh Market. If we treated that like that's the only grocery store that we can shop at, you know how wildly successful the grocery store would be. Right, I'm you trying to get I'm them saying? on the show too. Uh, that'd be dope. That'd <laughs> yeah. be dope. So yeah. it's just like, if, but that's a mindset no, shift really. because we're we're conditioned to be consumers, and a lot of what we consume doesn't come from companies that their owners or the people mm-hmm. that have equity in that company that look like us. Yeah. So I think we it's important for us just to be aware of that. Yes, and yeah. I think that if they weren't um I completely agree. And but on the flip side of that, and I'm talking to us right now. We have a conversation. Okay, so everybody that 
don't look like this, y'all can go ahead and come out the room for a second. I'm going to talk directly to my people, okay? Do good business. I think that a lot of the issue that we have is the scarcity mindset. Like you said, if we treat our businesses like that's all that exists, there wouldn't be so few of them and we could patronize us more and we wouldn't have this scarcity mindset with business owners. Oh, I'm the only black business. So I'm going to gouge everybody that mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to gouge everybody because I know that I'm one in a million Mm-hmm. And I know that the same service that these people over here are charging $20 for and still making good money, I'm going to charge 100 just because I can. And creating community to learn how to do good business and be teachable. Yep. Be teachable. We have to stop thinking that we have to do it all. Again, it goes back to outsourcing. I have a business, but I'm not a good entrepreneur. I'm pouring back into my community. If I'm not hiring people that look like me, teaching other people that look like me how to do business and things that I have learned, like I'm not doing a good job. If I'm keeping it all to myself, we have to have good community. There are enough of us for all of us to be successful together collectively, but it's enough cake out here realistically for everybody to eat. Mm-hmm. And I think that we just do not know how to utilize community the way that we should. Yeah. I think it's because we've been conditioned to hate ourselves and each other. That's why. Absolutely. That's why our communities look the way that they do. Mm -hmm. There's less unity in our communities. Yep. Uh, So once we're able to really decide that we want to change things and then come together, there are. But the beautiful part about this is that. Progress is already being made. There's communities all around the city. I get to travel and I go to other cities and I'm hearing about what Mm -hmm. others are doing. And it's like, it's here. We just have to just tap into what's being offered. Mm -hmm. We just have to go and and see what we can do to contribute to our community beginning to look different and start Mm -hmm. at home. I was just about to say that. Start at home. Full circle. Yes. Yes. Start at home and then naturally right it's gonna radiate exactly it's it's gonna be you're gonna want to spread the love and expand that we just have to learn the self-love piece Mm -hmm. first because we have been conditioned to believe that we are not worthy that we are not enough we are lazy we are ugly everything we do is wrong we have been conditioned to believe that and none of it is true Mm -hmm. because the devil is a liar he's going to lie (laughs) you have to believe you have to believe first within yourself that you are enough. And then you would you don't feel the need to gatekeep. Right. Because that's where you're placing your validation. And if you are looking out, if you're looking within yourself, you know that I'm valid. Yep. Period. I don't need you to validate me. Um and yes, because I'm not struggle with that. Even with doing this podcast, a lot of imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like, what do I have to say? Is my story valid? Like, am I enough? And I'm like, no, but you, but you know the truth though. Mm-hmm. And like, I think we all have to like go within first, which is what you were talking about. And he he gave y'all like tangible ways to do that, <laughs> like yeah. action steps. Yeah, and one of the things I would say audit. Because there's been science to connect your use of social media 
to your lower quality of mental health and to promote this comparison trap that we end up mm -hmm. keeping ourselves in. Audit how much time you're spending on social media. In most cases, you can go on your phone and you can see exactly how much time you spend on each app. So look at how much time you spend and think about the intention that you have when you're on there. Are you just scrolling? Are you on there, you know, trying to improve yourself? In most cases, right, regardless, we're going to be scrolling if we're on there for a lot. Mm -hmm. And so just know that that will have a direct correlation to your mental health, to Absolutely. how you view yourself, to your self-esteem, to your confidence. All of these things are impacted by how much time you're spending on social media. So I would say start there. Audit that. Mm -hmm. Of course, integrate things like mindfulness into your routine, but audit where what you're consuming and the consistency of that because that does have an impact on your quality of your mental health no for real if it yeah. triggers your immune system turn it off <laughs> no seriously I like, like if it puts you in fight or flight because i know i have been like if i'm in a certain space there's certain people i can't follow there's certain things i can't look and it might be people i actually like or love but if it puts me in fight or flight because social media can you start to get that feeling in your chest your stomach starts to feel funny your head will feel like when you start to look at certain content or certain things that are triggering, that's the trigger response, what we call triggering, is ultimately your fight or flight. Mm -hmm. So if that's what you're feeling, turn it off. Unfollow. I muted 90% of my Instagram following yesterday. If you did not have anything positive or motivating to say, or if you just put me in a space, like if I know you and I see your content and you just mm -hmm. automatically trigger my immune system, I am muting you. I don't have to unfollow you. I might turn you back on if I once I'm in a different space. Right. But this today, I can't handle it. Yeah. And like even like my Facebook feed, I cultivated my feed such that everything is positive. I don't see a lot of them red pill conversations that <laughs> they they see that we have circulating on social media because I don't entertain it. I don't comment on it. I don't entertain it. And I either unfollow, delete, or mute it. So you have a choice. Mm -hmm. You don't have to consume it. You don't nope. have to partake in the conversation. And uh, this goes back to a conversation I actually was having with my sister yesterday. She posted something that this girl said. Um, it was with, um, what podcast was it? I can't even think about it, but it was a relationship-based podcast. And the girl was saying that, a lot of y'all struggle in your relationships because you on social media so much that you are taking on other people's things. Like, for example, and, and I know this is a, probably an unpopular opinion, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> so the red pill community, you know, the red pill community, everybody knows what that is. <laughs> a lot of the conversation is, okay, women slash all men should do this for me. Like, this is the thing. I want a man that makes six figures. I want a man that does X, Y, Z. I'm going to talk to the ladies first. But in reality, that's not even, that will never even be your situation because you don't even live around people that live that lifestyle. You just are regurgitating something that you heard. All women are gold diggers, sir. You've never made over $25,000 ever in your life, and you're 38. <laughs> so to say all women want you for your money you've never had any money sir like <laughs> like it's like we are living out somebody else's experiences we just regurgitate somebody else's experience rather than paying attention to what you have going on in your own surroundings and being content with that mm -hmm. 
It's like you have to, you really have to be careful. There's a, such a fine line where you start to internalize everybody else's experiences to the point where you can't discern what's your thought and what's somebody else's thought. Mm. I think in psychology, it's groupthink. Yeah. yeah the yeah. groupthink mm-hmm. um, phenomenon. Yep. Where like, and that's, I think that's our entire society. Mm-hmm. We have probably, I won't say 8 billion people, but probably at least 5 billion people living that groupthink phenomenon right now yep. because we have access to everybody else's mind. And yep. it's very weird. It's like Twilight Zone. <laughs> no, really. Like, I never would have thought that we would be here. Like, have access to everybody else's life, everybody else's thoughts. Like, people express their thoughts with their thumbs in two seconds. Yeah. And they spend, you know, a lot less time processing. Processing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Processing it. They're just reacting to something else that they saw. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're we're really like living from the outside in. Yes. And uh it's dangerous. It's not sustainable for sure. Mm-hmm. Um and I think we'll we'll continue to see the things that it has been building. We'll see that we'll see them crumble. It's only a matter of time mm-hmm. before, you know, the structures that the people are investing into, um, it, it won't be able to stand. Yeah. And, and individually, I think they will experience something. And I ho- I'm not wishing anything ill on anyone. But in yeah. most cases, you'll experience something that will bring you back to reality. Oh, like, hey, God, yes, that's not this isn't going to work anymore. And I feel like it's we're getting to that point. But the good thing. So that's the negative side. But on the flip side. I also see like a community building, like the initiatives that you that you mm-hmm. have and other things. Like I think that there is this awareness. So as much chaos as we have going on at the mm-hmm. top, underneath those roots, I see like there's a whole community starting to come together that is so thirsty for this healing and so thirsty for like positivity mm-hmm. that people are kind of cultivating that so under like underneath all the chaos is going on like slowly but surely creeping in it's like you see the wound like sealing up yep. and i love that for us I do too. and i think social media that's the other flip side to the coin though the community is very small still i think that that's the movement that's arising the danger is when it becomes trendy Mm. and not authentic so there's gonna be some people that try to capitalize Ooh, healing i'm gonna I'm make it look like i'm healed because i know all these people are so thirsty to feel something because we haven't felt anything for years mm-hmm. and it's people are so thirsty for authenticity like there's gonna be people to try to capitalize on that but i think that there are a lot more people that are genuine about it and platforms because people are tired like we just did a whole pandemic we got inflation. I was talking to my daughter earlier. Like, I have the same bills that I had 15 years ago. The The stack of bills is the same. I make double what I made when I was started working in this field 15 years ago. Yet, I have to choose sometimes what bills I'm paying because mm-hmm. things cost so much more. Yep. Like, my rent. When I first got my first apartment was four hundred and twenty five dollars a month. <laughs> no, for like four hundred and twenty five dollars a month. The same one bedroom apartment that I lived in back in two thousand six is 
$1,300 a month now. Mm-hmm. Same apartment. Astronomical. <laughs> so it's like, it's real. yeah, it's like something at some point has got to give. And like I think that we are slowly starting to see that coming up under the surface, bubbling. Yeah. And when it finally takes like when it finally blows up, I'm I'm excited to see where our community goes with our kids, mm-hmm. creating that generational wellness and passing these things down to our kids. She taught me about yoga. That's my daughter. Like you said, it can go up or yeah, down. Yep. I knew nothing about yoga. She was watching YouTube when she was like 13. <laughs> and she, I went in her room one day and she was like, she said, mommy, come do yoga with me. I'm like, what? Yoga? She said, no, come do yoga with me. And she works out. She was super consistent. Meditation. She taught me about meditation. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm like, we definitely can learn mm-hmm. from each other. Yeah. And it's like, I think that that's great. So now, like, she passed something to me that I can pass on to her six-year-old sister, but she'll pass it on to my grandkids. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we don't have to live in that bondage anymore because, like, even with my six-year-old, she's the most self-aware human being at six I've ever met. I'm like, okay, the world is changing. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. She'll tell us, like, I don't, I don't respect, I, she's not respecting my boundaries, mommy. <laughs> I didn't want to talk to her anymore because she disrespected my boundaries and I had to remove myself. And I'm like, you know what? I love that for you. Right. <laughs> I didn't even know what a boundary was until I was probably about 26, 27. No, so for real. Love the fact that she's six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know what? I, I love the life that you're going to have. It's just like, I'm me. She said, I love myself. I'm beautiful and magical black woman. And we are amazing. I'm like, yes, yes, you are. Tell everybody, <laughs> like, <laughs> look, like I said, that's that's the fruits of everything mm-hmm. that you're doing. Like you look at him and be like, my kid just said what? I love it that you're so self-assured because I didn't have that. Right. We had to learn that as mm-hmm. at our big ages. We had to learn. <laughs> we, had, we had to undo things before we could build it back up. So I think that it's amazing. That we're doing the work. Do the work, y'all. It hurts at first. Yeah. Things always get worse before they get better. So, like, when you start doing the work, you're not just going to start feeling great. Like, you're bringing things up that odds are you haven't paid attention to in a long time. So, like, it's not going to be comfortable, but just keep going. That's only going to be temporary. So, just keep going. And trust me, things will get better. Even though they get worse first, they will get better and you'll start to reap the benefit of investing in your wellness. Um, Similar to, you know, putting money into an account that you're looking to grow, you know, Mm -hmm. over time, compound interest becomes a thing, and you're starting to get exponential growth in the money that you invest. The same is, you know, the case for your wellness. It's going to take time, but compounding interest is a thing, and you'll start to experience that as long as you're consistent and disciplined. I love that. I think we can drop the mic on that one. There we go. So tell us where to find you. Yes, so you can go to my website, balanceperiod.com, um, or you can just go straight to our social media platforms. We're on Instagram at both words spelled out balance period, and we're also on TikTok at balance period pod. Uh, we do have a podcast that comes out, it's essentially a weekly podcast. Sometimes, if I'm traveling, I might skip a week, but 
Um, normally on Sundays we drop and everything in there is focused on wellness and health equity. So, you know, if you want to come, you want to do a breathing practice. We do one of those to start every episode, tune in and engage with us on any platform that you see us. I love that. Yes. So we will see y'all next week. <laughs> Peace.